True Reviews and Interviews. Welcome back. I'm your host, True Justice, and this is episode 89, and we're on week 13 of my weekly recap of The Daily Laws by Robert Greene. Joined once again by my 10-year-old daughter, Emilia. How are you doing? I mean, these three times, in, like, all in a row, I'm like... Yeah. <sighs> Killing it. Killing it today. Killing me, Smalls. I'm not small. I'm taller than you. <laughs> um... So I was just giving my daughter a breakdown of what I do on these episodes. And I'm, I don't know, I was a little skeptical uh, just because some of these might go overhead. But I thought, hey, what a better way to find out than including her in them and letting her ask questions along the way. Uh, so I'm just going to dive into it. Okay, Mama? Just okay. chime in, ask me if you think some. So law number 86 is pay attention to negative cues and discuss working on solving problems by looking at what is missing or what did not happen rather than um, our typical mind frame on how we try to solve problems on just what is the answer? What is it? Um, and he explains uh, Sherlock Holmes. Have you heard of Sherlock Holmes? No. No? Uh, dang, that's crazy. We'll figure that out another time. But he discusses <laughs> a Sherlock Holmes example when he was solving a murder and he noticed that uh, the dog had not barked in this scenario, which meant the dog must have known the person and that's what helped him solve the crime. Rather than just trying to figure out who did it, he tried to figure out what did not happen in the scenario that could reveal some clues. And I thought that was pretty cool because, you know, sometimes we just want the answer, don't we? We mm -hmm. just want the answer right away. And we're not really diving into looking at things differently. And, and it's all about looking at things differently. Law number 87 is the power of peak experiences. And uh, diving so deep into work, you can reach a point of profound calmness and joy. Uh, at first, I felt this was about completing a task, but it's more about the feeling that you get while you're doing it. And I remember moments of this when I was writing um, music more than anything. Uh, I see you, Mama. I see you dive into your journal or when you're drawing, things like that, even your paintings. And it looks like you're lost in your own world. Do you ever feel like that? Mm-hmm. Like you don't hear anything else around you? Yeah. Yeah. And I've always loved that when I see, because one of my favorite things about you that I always envied from just the way you are, the person that you are, is I felt that you are or were, because now sometimes you can get bored and you can be like a little whiny about what do I do? I'm bored. What can I do? But for most of your life, you, you seemed like you were incapable of boredom. You could find fun in anything. No matter what you had around you, you would find some way to make it fun. And you were, you're so creative. You've always been creative. I love that about you. And yeah, I love that because I see that from myself as well. I, I've written so many songs in my life. Now I've written some, some script work and some, a lot of poems, things like that. And once you get to a point in doing something so long, you really you just lose yourself in it. You're no longer uh, vulnerable to distraction or confusion. You're so embedded in your work or your passion that it just um you get a lot more done if that makes sense you want to talk about that at all do you get any certain feeling when you're writing or drawing do you notice when it happens most of the time i feel like today i was drawing a picture and i had to try multiple of times and as soon as i started getting the kick of it like since i've started it many times once I got the kick of that, I'm like, I didn't even know that it was happening. But, like, 
I just felt like nothing else was around me. Nothing was, like, getting in the way. I was, like, focused on this one piece, drawing that out. And then soon I became into. <laughs> I always like that, too, because sometimes I don't even know where you are. <laughs> I don't even know where you are. I just, I just know you're working on something. And then all of a sudden you come out and show us a drawing or something like that. Or every once in a while you'll break out your journal. There you are with the yawns again, getting all tired. I, I, I can't help that I'm tired. It's been a long week of school. <laughs> oh, yeah. A real <laughs> yeah. long week of school. A getting week out. full of half days. Now you're on spring break. Yeah. I'm real tired <laughs> than then. Uh, law number 88 is move beyond intellect. Um, gaining the intuition from a long period of time, focused on your mission, discovering an understanding deeper than ever. And that's really touching a little bit more on what we were just talking about. It's just getting um, a new understanding of what you do. So probably when you started writing, you know, it was all about making sure that you could read it. Your penmanship was good. And then it started getting to a point of spelling the words properly, right? And now you're getting to a point of how to express your true feelings on paper, right? Mm -hmm. And eventually you get to a point where you're going to be able to express it even deeper than you ever imagined you'd be able to. And you get to write about different. So like now I really enjoy writing about things that aren't even my own feelings. They're my, my perspective of feelings that I see through other people. Cause I try to get a little bit uh, deeper with my creativity that way. Do you know what that means? So yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So like, if you were like to write a story about me, right? Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't just be about dad's walking to the fridge, dad's changing his socks, dad's. It would be writing it as if you were me. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, law number eighty nine is fuse the intuitive with the rational. Part A. So this was the first time I came across this with. A part A law. And this law explains an Einstein statement about the metaphoric mind and discusses how once you have immersed yourself so deep into a field of study, you can reach a point of animal speed with human reach in your thinking process. And I thought that was cool because animals have a much quicker reflex than we do naturally. They mm -hmm. have different senses, things like that. But of course, humans are capable of doing a lot more than animals are. We have less restrictions, things like that. So being able to combine those two, imagine what you could do if you had cheetah speed, but your brain and ability, right? Mm -hmm. Things like that. Uh, and uh, law number 90 is fuse the intuitive with the rational part. B. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Um, and so uh, more follow-up on the previous law, of course. And through time, you'll see more than just the answer. You'll understand the dynamics of the entire problem in a new way. And you'll, be, you'll see things differently. And that kind of goes to the first law we talked about on this episode. All about seeing things from a different angle and a different perspective. Is this clicking with you? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> you did a lot of head nodding over there. I like I'm it. Like, I'm like um, <laughs> doving in. Because like, I'm, I'm really amazed how I can see you through the, mi the mic. Yeah. And then I and then I like close one eye and like I can't see you. Oh and yeah. I just open them both and I'm. It's because like, the microphone is blocking your left eye. Yeah. And not your right eye. Because so if you close like, your left eye, you can still see me. No, oh, that's your right eye. <laughs> I'm getting confused here, Dad. I'm getting really confused. Uh, law number ninety-one is connect to your destiny, and this law explains how mastery has nothing to do with genetics or luck. It's all about time and effort. 
Um, we cannot, ex- we can't even explain, you know, why we are drawn to certain tasks or activities. Sometimes it's simply what we are meant to do. And once we connect with that and put the time into it, we start working towards our own destiny. You ever feel like you're destined to do something? What do you feel like you're destined for? A lot of stuff. Like yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I there's more, there's more than I can list them off. Um, um, you don't have to pick the perfect one. Just say one. <laughs> <laughs> I like I know what they are, but I'm like anytime I try and think of one, it's like my mind completely goes blank. I'm like, are you getting a stage fright? Are you feeling the pressure? No, it's like I know I know what it is, but I can't. It's like anytime I want to say it, it like it completely shuts my mind out, and I don't remember. <laughs> Do you know what know. your destiny is? Um, I feel like maybe, um, <sighs> podcast. Podcast? You're destined to be a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I, uh, I, I always felt like I was destined to make some kind of a change. I was just destined to, I don't know. And I have no idea if I have or will still, um, and then all of a sudden I felt like it was connecting differently than I ever thought as a kid. Um, Cause I never wanted to be rich and famous. I wanted to be influential. I wanted to influence things. I wanted to bring, uh, bring ideas to the table and I wanted to help explain things. I like observing people. And now I feel like my greatest work is actually being a father, you know, and I have one of my children here. Don't know if you feel it or not, but, I uh, I can't explain how much I feel like I was just destined to do this, to raise little members of our future and try to be here for you, support you through things. And it's a learning process for sure, realizing that you and your brother and sister are not all the same person, that you all have to have whole unique individual plans on how to be talked to. Ooh, and I, I, can, <laughs> I can list, um, I don't know what it's called, but like Elijah is his sarcastic humor. He does have a crazy sarcastic humor, doesn't he? Me? <laughs> I I I don't really know me because I don't focus on me. You can probably list me. Um to Mia herself. <laughs> She'll go out and be like, "Why is my ballerina dancing go?" <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> What's what, what do you think I'm destined for? You're destined for? I'm probably... Are those your analyzing eyes? Are you I, analyzing yeah. them? <laughs> um, probably. Um, you're destined to grow a beard. You're destined not to have hair. And you're destined to make me like... Oh, I guess I'm doing pretty good then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other part of that I was wondering about, uh, if you could relate to, is... Do you uh, ever find yourself so in love with an activity or um, just something in life and you have no idea why you love it so much? You're just drawn to it? What kind of things? Tetherball. Tetherball? You love tetherball? Yeah. Even I, like feel I, like, hit- I feel like I could figure out why you would like tetherball. I don't know. Because you can hit the ball as hard as you want and watch it swing around in circles. And... I don't know, like, um, 
Do you pretend the ball is my hand all the time? No, I pretend it's a Chuck E. Cheese screen and I'm the hammer. (laughs) And I get to hit it as hard as I want. And yet it goes so little. And then how people like swing it up. And then it goes super high. And I have to try and jump up and get it. And then I like how it hits my hand super hard. Yeah. I don't know why. (laughs) I just like the feeling. No, that's good. That's good. Uh, I I used to always wonder why I liked movies so much or collecting action figures. I've been looking at yours. Yeah. It's like what I've been eyeing, but those are bubble heads. Those are Funkos. Funkos. My my Funko Tower. And then, as you guys probably, you guys don't see, but I see. (laughs) Um, Dad's humongous. I, I don't know. There's probably at least... Five, two, five, six hundred <laughs> of action figures up there. Yeah. So many. Yeah, and I love them. I love each and every one of them. Um. Are you judging me right now? Um, no. <laughs> I'm actually staring at this one. It has like a white, it has a huge white head, brown with brown showing and then a red suit. I know, I feel like it's from a movie that I've seen. Suicide um, Squad. Yes, that guy. Um, Deadshot. Deadshot, yeah. yeah. Um, he's staring me directly in the eye. He like, is too. <laughs> not even joking. He's like. I didn't angle him like that. I. <laughs> what did you just say? I said I did not angle him like that. Well, he is staring directly at me. Yeah, you got his attention. Yeah, I did. Um, so in the book, it is marked each law by the date, and today is April first. So when a new April month, Fool's Day, it is April Fool's Day. Um, so I'm not actually releasing any of these episodes. In fact, I haven't been recording at all. You okay with that? <laughs> April Fools. Um, so. He does a monthly breakdown, okay? Okay. And so the April one is the perfect courtier. Courtier? I think it's courtier. Um, and I'm sure you're not familiar with that term. So back in the days of like kings and queens and things like that, they would have a courtier, which is like the person that would serve the king or queen. So they'd be at all their events with them, things like that, help them with, you know, getting dressed or their speeches, their decisions, things like that. It's kind of like mm-hmm. almost like their highest servant kind of thing. Yeah. Well, in this, it talks about uh, playing the game of power. And Robert Greene tells a story about a job he had in the in, when he was in his 20s, his late 20s, probably like 27, 28 years old. And his job was to find stories um, that would make good documentaries. And he remembers doing so good at this job, so many of his uh, ideas were being produced into documentaries. And he could feel and tell that his superior, his boss essentially, was not happy with him and he could not figure out why his boss was so unhappy with him because he was producing so well and doing so good at his job. Now he decided, well, maybe they want to be more included in my ideas. So he's tried to include them in the ideas that didn't work. They still didn't like him. Then he tried to be friendly, like, okay, maybe they just don't like me personally or don't know me personally. So I'll try to get to know them better, be more friendly. And he tried that and that did not work. And so at this point, he's really confused, and they're in a meeting, 
and his superior calls him out in the meeting in front of everybody and says he has an attitude problem and he doesn't agree he's like i don't think i have an attitude problem what am, what's wrong with me i'm getting all the work done i'm doing great nothing helps so his superior essentially just started torturing him or making him miserable to the point where he quit his job and he sat back and thought about it but i before i even get into what his finding was why do you think somebody like imagine if you're in school um maybe that's not a good example because i don't know um okay well let's just keep it on his example so he's at work doing a great job why would his boss not be happy with him i maybe because um they they know that he's doing really good and they i think they are like they're comparing each other not each other but that his boss is comparing himself with Robert. And I feel like since Robert's Robert's doing a good job, that makes uh, his boss jealous. So maybe... uh, He feels threatened by him a little bit? Yeah. Hey, man, you are smart. You must be my daughter or something. (laughs) No, so... Yeah, I'm not so sure. (laughs) So uh, that is exactly what he found to be the truth is that he felt like his boss was threatened by him or his superior was threatened by him. And, you know, he realized at this point that he cannot become emotionally attached to other people's feelings about him and his work. He needs to hold himself, you know, accountable for it and not worry about other people. And um, this leads into law number 92, which is a very infamous law from his book, 48 Laws of Power, that I read many, many years ago, and it's called Never Outshine the Master. That's a, it's, it's a huge lot. I'm really happy you're here to talk about this one because it's, it's things that I, uh, I used to struggle with that book a lot, The 48 Laws of Power. It's a big book, like this big. It's orange. You'll see it downstairs in my, my line of books, right? Mm-hmm. And I used to think this book was like uh, just a a way to teach people how to manipulate and be evil. And I didn't realize until this book came out that he wrote that book with the opposite intention. It was to help people like you and I to see that in other people, to not let them destroy us, not let them take advantage of us, to make sure that we can flourish in this world without the powers that be always conquering us and getting the best of us, if that makes sense. So this law, Never Outshine the Master, um, making sure that you, that you know you cannot worry yourself with the thoughts and feelings of others. But when it comes to the master, you have to take a different approach. So if you are competing with a coworker, that's somebody that's called a peer. Mm-hmm. They're on the same level as you, like one of your classmates, right? Yeah. It's going to be a little bit different than when you have a boss, right? So let's say, actually, I'll go back to this for you. Let's say you're in school and you're getting 100% on all your tests, right? Mm-hmm. And one of your your classmates, they're getting 90s and 80s. You know, they might start getting a little mad at you, but they're not being threatened because you're on the same level. But then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, your teacher shows up to class and nobody's listening to the teacher because they're all hovered around your desk because you're teaching them how to do things, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the principal walks in and goes, why are these kids not listening to you? They go, oh, because they're listening to Emilia because she's teaching them better than I am. And the principal might go, well, I should give her your job, right? 
So in that scenario, your teacher is the master, right? She mm-hmm. holds the highest title in that classroom. So that's what this law is kind of touching about. That's the best way I could try to explain it for you to understand at your age right now is, you know, you want your superior to feel comfortable in their passion um, or position, I'm sorry, their position, or else you could uh, threaten their, their own role or in history, their your existence, right? In the back in the day, hundreds of years ago or whatever it may be, not even that long ago in some areas of the world, if you embarrass your master, whatever that may be, your king, your boss, somebody just holds a higher title over you, if you make their job, they might kill you. They would just end your life, right? Now in modern times, it's not quite that extreme. Now it comes to things like bullying, right? Mm-hmm. Shaming, trying to lie about each other, right? You're at an age now where you hear people make up stories about somebody else because they don't want them to like them more than they want them, right? Yeah. Drama. Always, yeah. especially with first graders. Like, <laughs> I, I I, don't even know what to do with them. Yeah. I just can't. So try to remember that from now on. Apply this to your mind frame of understanding the difference, of course, and who are your peers, who are your superiors, and how to approach those things because – you never want to challenge your superior, your master in the sense of what they explain this as until you are in a full loaded position to, to over, overthrow their throne and take it over, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Like right now, let's say that was your position. You're not ready to take on a full-time job teaching, are you? No, and I feel really bad for my teacher. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Really bad. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to play that card yet. You'd want to kind of humble yourself and be like, hey, you guys got to listen to the teacher. Like, listen to mm-hmm. the teacher, right? And then all of a sudden, like, okay, she's smart and she's helping keep them in line. I got to keep her around. And you keep the friends that way, right? So, yeah, that wraps up week 13 of the Daily Laws Recap by Robert Greene. What would you think? I liked it. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, good job. It was nice having you on this one. Maybe I'll have you back sometime. Okay, see you in 10, 10 15 years. <laughs> Damn, Bye. that's a long time. <laughs>